At Stand Up Tragedy, we invite you to come and share the tragic experience of others. Our performers will make you laugh until you cry and cry until you laugh. The next place we're doing this is the Dog Star in Brixton on the 4th of July. Our stand-up tragedians will include performance artist Frog Morris, Tragic Magic from Daniel Barker, a showcase of some of the best spoken word acts from PBH's Free Fringe, comedian Nish Kumar, and our headliner, the amazing Josie Long. (laughs) Book tickets in advance for just £5 from www.standuptragedy.co.uk. All the proceeds are going towards taking Stand Up Tragedy to the Edinburgh Free Fringe in August. Stand Up Tragedy! Sheila, who you're about to hear me have a conversation with, sadly passed away between when we recorded this conversation and now. She will be sadly missed by her family In terms of how she relates to me, which I don't think is entirely clear in the conversation, she is my father's first wife. I was very pleased that my older sisters had the unedited version of this conversation to listen to. They asked me for the recording and I believe that listening to this conversation helped them make some decisions about what they were going to do for the funeral and uh, help them to remember things about their mother in those initial days of complicated grief and loss and all of those things that people feel at such times. I used to go dancing a lot, used to dance every night. And my sister told my mother I was too young to go dancing. You know, there was too much temptation in it. She, she, uh, every night and the sirens go and she might get killed. And um, So my mother said, well, she could get killed in the house if she's in. Yeah. You know, how can I, I refuse to let her go when tomorrow she might not be alive? She's got to have some fun. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Sheila. Hello, Sheila. Hello there. (laughs) The first question that I ask people is, how do you know me? You're my daughter's stepbrother. I stayed with you quite a lot when I was a child as well, which is an interesting thing. You used to come down to Cornwall to visit me. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. A lot of my early memories are of Cornwall and staying with you and, and going to the beaches mm, and stuff. That's right. Mm. Really good and times. And your brother came as well. That's right, Tony too. That's mm. right. And the second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retired because I'm 84, so I'm obviously not working. I do have walking problems, so I'm limited in what I do. I'd like to do a lot more, but my body won't let me. I can get around in the building I live in, which is some sheltered accommodation with long corridors. I can get around those in my walker, or if I go on trains, on journeys, and are taken to the train by a car, for example, I would use my walker. But the rest of the time, when I go out to where I live, I have an electric scooter, which I drive around town and do my shopping and visit people. Nice. (laughs) The most obvious thing to talk to to somebody of your generation about, really, to me, because, I mean, I, I didn't experience it, and it's such a significant historical moment, is what it was like to live through the Second World War. How old were you when when the war was declared? I was 11. 11? Yes, and I was evacuated. Some of it was happy, and some of it was sad. I was sad when my parents visited me. I was not happy when they came, but very sad when they left. Yeah. When they left, even though I was young, I wondered if I'd see them again. Of course, yeah. On the other hand, I was too frightened to go home. I was terrified. 
And where was... Of, of the raids, you know. So home was London, was it, at that time? Yes, and then they lived in a very, very dangerous area. It was... They lived near... Just down the road from Hornsey Station, which I think was the second largest marshalling goods yard, you know, yeah. where, where all the things were stored and, and, and taken out from there. So it was a point that the Germans tried to bomb. What else can I say about it? The first person I lived with was a very unpleasant man. <laughs> I love the country. It, it gave me the love of country because I hadn't lived in the country before. Say, so when the harvest came in, we all used to have... I mean, that, uh, taking the harvest in then was very, very different. We used to have horses and carts, you know, and char horses. And, yeah. Uh, stacking the bales of hay. On the, on the back. Of course, a lot of the, 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 the boys were there. Farmers often allowed to keep his sons, not to have to go up in the army, but they were still very short of labour. Some had land girls, some didn't. But we were given t days off to go and help the farmers. So we used to collect the eggs and take the milk. The boys used to throw the bales of hay on and we used to pull them into position on the cart and they used to make haystacks with them. And for our treat, going back to the farm with them, it was always sitting on the back of the shower horses that were pulling the carriages. That's a very happy memory I have. Nice. We didn't have anywhere for PE, so we used to go out into the fields and jump streams and climb over logs. And, you know, they used to make improvised PE sports. And we used to go to the village shop for our sweet ration. What were you entitled to in your sweet ration? God, I can't remember that much. <laughs> Not much at all. My, my, I was very lucky. My brother-in-law used to bring sweets down from London. He had a big warehouse in London. It's called Palmer and Harvest. I don't know if he wound good them or if it... it but <laughs> yeah. Save the sweet How they came about, know, yeah. But, uh, I know, we used to have extra sweets. One point... Oh, that was... No, that's when I came back, when I used to give my sugar ration to my mother and she used to give me her sweet ration that's when, <laughs> that's when I gave up tea and sugar <laughs> <laughs> so so I could have my sweets anyway I got to a very unhappy stage there my father and mother were moving out to what was considered a neutral area so they brought me home but in fact soon after that the um, doodle bugs started which were pretty random and I left school. I left school early. And how, I, I how went old to were work you? in a factory, but I didn't like that, so I went to, on a course for the computer. And then I went into another factory and worked on the computers there. That was ferry aviation. It used to make aeroplanes, you know? Yeah. And we used to work the, their wage cards out on the computer and then they had to go through the Hollerith which was sort of a very early computer wasn't it? Probably I don't know I mean yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I didn't work on a computer I worked on them oh I've forgotten what it was called now but it was a sheet machine that added up and multiplied and divided and did things like that by hand. So like a, a very very advanced calculator? Yes yes but it was by hand but the Hollerith was by machine. Right. So that was like the earliest computer, I think. Okay. Did you leave school at 16 then, or were you younger? No, I left. I went to grammar school. Okay. But I left at 15 because I'd really felt that I didn't want to stay to take exams because there was war on. And I mean, I knew boys two or three years older than me who were going to war. Yeah. And being killed. Yes. You know, that I'd danced with and so on, and I really didn't see much point in it. So, as I say, I went out to work. Did you feel, I mean, did you feel like, because I mean, you, you, as a woman, you weren't, you weren't going to be called up at that, in that, in that time, I women didn't fight. I was lucky to go up and be old enough to go in the land army. Right. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the land army. But I never got there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. And then we moved out to Hayes, and as I say, I went to work. And then, of course... The American boys came over, so I went out with a lot of American boys. <laughs> and I used to go dancing a lot, used to dance every night. And my sister told my mother I was too young to go dancing. 
you know, there was too much temptation in it. She, she, every night the sirens go and she might get killed. And um, so my mother said, well, she could get killed in the house if she's in. Yeah. You know, how can I, I refuse to let her go when tomorrow she might not be alive? She's got to have some fun. Absolutely. So my mother was very sensible about it, actually. So um, I probably did things much earlier than I would have done for, for girls of that age. Yeah. I mean, it's different for girls of the, the age now, but yeah. um, I was well ahead of time. Do you, think that was a, <laughs> do you think that was a kind of a generational thing? Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of you yeah. did that? Because it was, a, it was that kind of a moment, wasn't it? You didn't know if you'd live or die, oh, so you yeah. had to live. So you just, you just took your fun while you had it, you know? Absolutely. But we, we got into quite a few situations there because we used to come to Uxbridge Station and... And of course, there was no no buses. The, the, the buses couldn't run after a certain time. The, the the ones with the overhead lines, yeah, because the sparks would go off and they'd be seen. Oh, the trams, were they? The trams, yeah. And the buses. I don't know what happened. But a petrol shortage, I suppose. Must you know? They they must have had a very short supply of petrol because that would have gone. To the army and the lorries, right. and so they would once their petrol was used, that was it. So we used to get to Uxbridge and start to walk home, which was some um, five or six miles. And sometimes the sound would go, and we'd just keep on walking, you know. Yeah. But the police cars used to come along and pick us up and take us home. Say, so you, you girls shouldn't be out now, come on, jump in. And also the army lorries used to stop. They had dipped headlights and they'd open the back and we'd all get in the lorry and they'd drop us off at various points where we were going. And we used to pass the cap round, you know, and all put money up for, for, the, for the drivers. Oh, nice. Because they were very short of money. When you were evacuated, what part of the country did you go to? First of all, Ramsey in Huntingdonshire. But we had an airport near that. My mother took me down and, and, and I knew the place I was going to because one of my friends was already there and this lady said she'd have me. And they were very, he, he was, um, they were a very, um, what we would call a working class family. You know, he worked on the land and went out. And of course in those days you didn't have plush toilets. No, of course. And uh, Mrs. Emmington used to say, <laughs> close your windows tonight. The bin man's coming around, or whatever she called him. And they used to come round, and of course there were bins sunk in a hole oh, no. in the ground, and they used to get them empty, and we all had to close our windows. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and she used to give us medicine. Every Friday we had to have a dose of medicine. Every single Friday what, we had to have... What was it? Was syrup it? of figs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that supposed to do, is it? Oh, you're, that, was, that was how it was in those right. days in the country. You'd have a good clean-out once a week. Okay. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and when I told my mother, because, I mean, I never had a... She said, well, you're here, dear. You'll have to do it her way. I'm sorry. Yeah. And um, we weren't allowed to put too much jam on the bread. We either had to have toast and butter or toast and jam. Right. Because of rations. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. She used to make a lovely Sunday dinner. I used to love Sunday dinners. She she made a beautiful... And she made this lovely batter pudding. It was thick and solid, like that. And she used to cut slices of this batter pudding and put it on our plate, pour a little gravy over it. And we used to have that first, and that was to fill us up. Ah. See, because of the meat. Yeah. And she used to get she she kept it she kept chickens, so she used to get extra eggs to make the batter puddings. Mind you, if you kept chickens and you didn't get them from the shop, you had an allowance for chicken food and so you had allowances for everything. Yeah, you know? I bet. And then we used then she used to do a roast which was cut very thinly, but beautifully cooked, mm. with loads and loads of vegetables, loads of vegetables. 
and that that roast used to do for Monday roast, Tuesday cold, Wednesday shepherd's pie or something like that, and Thursday meat pie. But it lasted practically the whole week. The whole week, mm. you know. And the, the batter pudding she used to fry up pieces and put jam on or honey. Oh, that sounds well for tea. nice. Yeah. She was very, very religious. Very religious. We all had to. Uh, we all had to work on Saturday. We had to clean the silver, and she had a copper to um, to boil the clothes up. And you had to turn the handle. We had to turn all okay. take turns in turning the handle, and then we had to go down with this old pram to the mill and get the flour for the week. I forget what else we used to get: beetroots, potatoes. And then we used to have to bring them back because she made her own bread as well. <laughs> she made everything. I was trying to think what else we were. Oh, we weren't allowed. We had to go to church three times a day. Morning service, midday service and afternoon service, was it? Well, ev evening service. I ev don't know every day. day? On Sundays. On Sunday, okay. We couldn't play cards. Joan played the piano, that's her daughter, but she wasn't allowed to play anything else but hymns. Were we allowed to read books? We weren't allowed to do pleasurable things, if you know what I mean. Yes, I can, you know, I can imagine. We could do serious yeah. things. Uh, we couldn't play Ludo or anything like that. I think maybe maybe if we read a book, we probably had to be the Bible, knowing her. <laughs> <laughs> But she was a God-fearing woman, and her daughter used to... Oh, her daughter, she wanted to be out with the boys, you know, she was 15, she oh, was older yeah. than us. And Mrs. Emington, I can still hear her saying, Don't you go near any old men. I don't want you going there, you'll be near any old men. <laughs> that was her favourite <laughs> saying. And I'm still in contact with the my war brother. He was in the Navy. We send cards every year. That's nice. To each other, he's older than me, so he must be. I'm eighty-four, so he he must be about ninety, I should think. Maybe older than that. I don't know. I don't know. But so um, we still we still send cards at Christmas. Well, then the uh, Lord Haw said they were going to bomb. Clock at Upton Airport was two minutes slow or something. And they were going to bomb it, put it right, or it wouldn't work at all. And the following week, they did bomb Upton. And so when we went into school, we were told to go home and pack our bags and come back, get our ration books and come back and get on a coach. And you were on your own at that point, where you, you didn't have your mum with you this time? I didn't even have time to tell the parents. That must have been very scary. Oh, it was awful, yeah, because, you know, I was happy with me. Mrs Emmington and we used to go in the field, the right next to her was full of cowslips. And we used to pick buckets and buckets and buckets of cowslips and she used to make cowslip wine. Nice. You know, and, yeah. and then we used to pick clover and, and, oh, I don't know, all sorts of things. And she used to make elderberry wine. And, uh, she, she really did. She, she, she was a... She was a stern woman, but she was very homely. I was very yeah. happy with her, you know. But anyway, we were put in this coach and we were asked to try and choose someone that we'd like to live with. So I chose Sheila Page, we thought we'd like to give together. Got off the coach and it's <laughs> awful. There was a table with various people on it. I don't know. Officials. Yeah. Officials. People making decisions about yeah. your life, yeah. The council, whatever yeah. it was. And, um, and then there were all the villagers who had been got together and asked to volunteer to take us in. And then after the volunteers had gone, then the rest were either compulsorily put in people's homes or put in uh, where, we, where we went to school, in a hostel. Right. Right. We were left to the end pretty well because we wanted to be together. You know, and, and some people only wanted. And um, then this lady came forward and she said, well, we only wanted one. 
They said, well, they really do want to stay together. She said, well, I'll take it and see if it works. So that's how Sheila and I got to stay there. And she was very sweet. She was the headmaster's wife. And there was the village school and, and um, no outside toilets, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he was awful. He was an awful, awful man. And I was desperately unhappy there. And he made my life a misery. He didn't like me at all. And the interesting thing is that the next girl who went there, she didn't like him either. When I contacted her years later to a reunion at Hornsey High School, she said she was there. I said, oh, with that pick of a man. She said, oh, you described him perfectly. He was a pick of a man, so it wasn't just me. Uh, but he was the laugh of the village, but he was a lot older than her. About... I think she was about 32 and he was about 50 and they had this small child so what happened I don't know I've got a feeling that they worked together and he was the headmaster of a big school and she was a domestic science teacher Okay. and I'm wondering if she became pregnant mm. and so they had to leave and they've moved down to this place to the country uh, I don't know but she was a very dutiful wife but she had her Flings as well, which we knew about, which we kept quiet about. <laughs> and we used to collect butterflies. We used to get, I think it was four pence for a hundred or something stupid, white cabbage butterflies we had to catch, you know, to save the... Um, they used to land on, what did they land on? Cabbage, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, I should think so, yeah. But they'd spray them now, but they didn't spray them then, of course. And... Uh, we used to get the eggs out in the morning. But of course, she stopped this um, medicine straight away. Right. So I had big problems there, I tell you. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, I'd have the doctrine and all sorts of things about that. But anyway, but I was so unhappy there that my father finally brought me home when I moved, when we moved to Hayes Middlesex, which I've already told you about. Yeah. I think that's all, really. I've caught up with what's Yeah, we have. I mean, do you... Remember, do you remember the day that the war was declared? I mean, that must have been quite a... Oh, yeah. Oh, I do. We all sat together. I think we were in Uxbridge. My mother and father used to go and visit my sister who lived in Uxbridge quite a lot. They lived in Horns and we went down there. And I can remember war being declared and after that... Uncle Reggie's secretary at Palmer Harvest used to take Margaret, my little niece, out in the pram down by the river. He said, well, we didn't know whether to go or not. You know, Catherine said, well, what do we do? So Fred said, well, they're not, not likely now to sound the alarm, so we... So we went off for a walk by the river. And so that was that. And I can remember I was, um, I was very worried about it, very worried. But before then, there's a point when it looked as if we were going to war. And I went down to see a Shirley Temple film. And when I went in, I forgot all about it. And then when I came out, it suddenly hit me, you know, oh, yeah. that this was going to happen and I might have to go and leave my mum and dad and all that sort of thing, you know. Mm. It's, it's a strange one, the war, because I mean, when we look back, from with the benefit of hindsight, we can we can see how I guess it's one of the wars that we can sort of you can say that was a a just war. You know that was a, a that was a war that oh, we yes, should have fought. Yes, that should have. Yeah. We can say that in hindsight, yeah, yeah. but then at the at that time, no, was there that the, feeling? No, at the I mean, time how, we didn't like Hitler. We knew that we had to get over Hitler. Mm. Oh no! Everybody knew he was an evil man. Even though at that point we didn't know about the, about the general Holocaust, public, yeah. didn't know about the concentration camps. 
But certainly, we knew it was a war that had to be fought. It was a black and white war, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, the memory of the First World War, I guess, was still in, in people's minds. You see, the difference that is that they weren't soldiers. I mean, now, what, what, I mean, the, the soldiers who are in Afghanistan and so on, they have all volunteered, haven't they? Yeah. But this was just ordinary men and women who had never thought of going in the army, had never held a gun, didn't want to go in the army. You know, Absolutely. that was the incredible thing, that they had to. They had no option, they just... You know, it was either that or... Um, or you were put in prison or shot or something, you know. Yeah, that's right. Huh? I mean, if, I guess, I mean, the only the only exceptions were if you had a job that, that meant that you had to stay. Then you did. Yeah, yes. I mean, my granddad was a conscientious objector, but because he had was a doctor, so he'd signed yes, the Hippocratic yeah. Oath. What about... When the war ended, I mean, how 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 was that to experience the end Odd. of the war? To begin, there were the big celebrations, the big tea party in the road, and so on. And of course, everybody was terribly excited. But then everybody got a reaction, you know. And um, the uh, the doctor's surgery was full. <laughs> And I remember my mother said that, um, she said, I've never known so many people ill. She said to the doctor, you know, something like that, and he said, well, it's a reaction. They haven't had time to be ill now. You know, he said they've got nothing else to think about. They're thinking for themselves. Oh, I see, yeah. Before they didn't. I mean, you didn't miss work because you had a cold or because you had a stomachache. Even my mother went to work. And she was older, I mean, she was in her 50s, I should think, 40s or 50s when she went to work. I heard a, a recording recently of your mother, Joe Flavio, of, of Rebecca. Oh, yes, And yes, uh, right. Rebecca and your mum uh, talking about her life. Yes. When, when Rebecca was really a, a young child, I think. Was... Well, yes, she was very young. I was at college when she took that. When she interviewed her nanny, yeah, there was another tape, but I can't. I'm, I've lost that. I don't know where that's gone. I mean, that's an that's an amazing conversation because you mean it is. Have you got that? I have got it. I was going to ask you if if uh, if I could use it as a kind of an, an extra sort of, course, of additional yes, thing. Of course, yeah. oh, that would be brilliant. I'll I'll put that out as a an extra mm. after when after I put this one out. Although I'll have to get Rebecca to give me permission too. I guess. Oh, I she. I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. No, I shouldn't think she'd mind at all. I mean, your 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 mother seems seemed to be she a. She was born in Queen Victoria's. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. As I guess everybody's mother was uh, that uh, of your generation. Well, let me see. She was. Um, God, how old would she be now? I don't know. I don't know. I'm terrible at maps and and his and his. I think she was forty-two was when she had me, which was. Quite an age. That is pretty old already, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm 84, so you can do the mathematics on that. Yeah. 42. So she, was, it so she would, um, people will already have got it. She'd be 120 something, wouldn't she? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still think of her, so I was very fond of my mother and my father, but um, I had my mother a lot longer, you know. Yeah, I mean, she seems to have been a kind of remarkable woman from listening to the recording. Mm. I mean, uh, very assured in a in a way. Is, mm. is that right? I mean, yeah, that's a. Is. It, well, she'd had a gay time herself when she was young, <laughs> and um, often you find if one is gay, then they're very strict with the next lot because they know the. The repercussions, yeah, yeah. But it didn't work like that with her because of the war, I think. Yeah. I mean, she used to lie to my father. If I got in late from a dance, <laughs> he he did shift work and he'd come in and he'd say, is that girl home yet? Yes, she's in bed, Dad. Don't go in and disturb her and I'd still be out. <laughs> wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. After the war then, I mean, you were... 
of the generation of women who were kind of, I guess you could say, maybe liberated by the war? Uh, in... Yes, I think so. I'd certainly done things a lot younger yeah. than I would have done. So in some ways I was a lot older Yeah. in my thinking. In some ways I wasn't. Yeah. You know. Well, you'd had uh, experience... I had the experience, but I didn't have the age to appreciate it or something Right, like OK, that. yeah. Mm. No, I see what you mean. But you had also worked, I mean, before the war, I guess, and, and, and certainly in your mum's time, coming into your time, women women were in, you know, at home. Yes. Uh, mm. And you okay. were of that generation that, that weren't. Yeah. Um, Oh yes, I went out to work. Later I went to work for BEA in the old Wembley house where I was for the last Olympics. Oh right, wow. And that was the very first Olympics after the war. And everybody thought that they wouldn't have one because all of Europe was... I mean... Yeah, that's right. They called it the Austerity Olympics, didn't they, or something? They had, they were, they were really um, frugal. Well, everywhere else was bombed out, and you know, all of Europe lay in shatters. Yeah. You know, they they didn't even have enough food. They didn't have enough houses. Absolutely. People, you know, and you didn't fly to America just like that. You know, you didn't fly a long way away. It would have had to be England or nowhere. Right. Then, so uh, we had it at the old Wembley Estate again, which was very old. And then we'd had it in various sites all over the place. I remember going to Brighton to see, I don't know if it was some ice hockey. We saw ice hockey at one of them. And I saw water polo at another place, you know, and you'd sort of, you'd have them wherever there was somewhere to have them, really. It was kind of make do, and you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of war spirit uh, that you'd had during the war was extended to that, yeah. When Rebecca was recording that conversation with your mum, you were at college, you were studying to be a teacher, is that is that is that right, or were you just studying... What was what was because you didn't study during the war, did you? So you had to do it later in life. Yes, I went back to college and trained as a teacher, and and, uh, and I made that recording while I was at college. And how how old were you when you went back to study? I mean, well, they were after mature students then. Right. And I went back when I was about forty-five, forty-six. Right. I mean, and what was it like? I mean, because you, you you didn't you didn't do that early in life you didn't do the, the training then was it because of the war I mean what was it like going back into training I mean what attracted you to teaching I guess why did you make that decision well I, 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 um, I, I ran a play group for years right because when I had Rebecca I was older yeah so I had to find something to do so that she would have young friends to play with oh, because okay. um, all my friends children were older right uh, that's when I took playgroup work up which finally led me to teaching and did you enjoy teaching it was a love-hate relationship <laughs> most teachers seem to say that a little bit I love teaching but I hated getting up every single morning going into work working all day and coming home because I had always had the freedom to please myself what I did through the day. You know, I didn't work. I stayed at home and I looked after the children. That's right, you were kind of a housewife. And then when I had to go back to work to earn money, I decided that that was the best job to do. A, because that's what my playgroup work had led me to. B, I wanted to do it. And see, I would be around in the children's holidays. Yeah, that's a, a, big, a really good benefit. And, uh, and then I had to go and sit a special exam uh, because I hadn't passed my matriculation. And that was in three parts, which I did and passed. And then I got accepted by the college 
that I wanted to go to, which was St Gabriel's, which was a church college which had far more freedom of the curriculum and which was aiming not to have exams at the end, but, you know, to do it on a three-year assessment, which is a very, very new idea at the time. But in fact, as it turned out, <laughs> we had both. We had the assessment and it wasn't passed, so we had to do the exam anyway at the end, but there you are. And I passed and I qualified for B.Ed., but I didn't take it because I wanted to get some teaching years under my belt. Have I missed anything out? I don't think so. You were, were you a primary school teacher, I think, or a secondary school primary teacher? School. Primary well, school. Well, um, up to middle years, that was up to about 13, I think, but okay. with a strong emphasis on primary because I knew that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I did. And I had some very happy times there. God, I worked hard. I threw my, I mean, I remember my head saying at one point, Sheila, you've got to switch off. You've got to stop taking it home with you. Yeah. You know, she said, you wear yourself out, which is very, very true. Um, and some of the kids I had, I was so sad. I'm sure there's even sadder cases and more now, but, um, you know, and I know that one day... The head came in and said that Timmy had had his um, head split open by his mother and was in hospital. And I just went out of the room and cried, you know. Yeah. I had, I just had fled, left her, left the head standing there. I, and um, that's when she told me I had to switch off. I said, well, I can't. She said, well, you've got to. You wear yourself out. Um, I was very involved with the children, very. Um, so were you were you teaching in London? Oh yes, so, in a very uh, deprived area. Yeah, I thought so. Mm -hmm. I, could, I, could, I was sensing that. Because, uh, I mean, these days I work with um, children well, under five. When I left, I London, thought I'd be so. back there all the time, but I wasn't. <laughs> I thought, I'm gonna, I, you know, am I going to miss this? London? No, the school. The school. Mm, am I going to miss it? But I didn't. So you know, you, did you never? You, did you go back at all after you left? I went back once, and then I realised that it wasn't my. You no, know, that had been my family. Yeah. It wasn't my family anymore. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Mm. I mean, was what? Well, um, I mean, did you? It was a very di different. I guess it would have been a very different system. Uh, in teaching at that time than it is now. Very different. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's be well, seems no, actually, it's become more and more about paperwork. In no, it goes way. round and round, Dave, honestly. Do you remember a short time ago they had group um, reading? Yeah. I did that in my class. So you mean it just it's a circle? It, they go it, one way and then they go the other? Yeah, and um, same with new book schemes. We did that. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, the way that, that things go around. So, I mean, I guess... I remember taking my schools to various churches for different religions. And that came round again. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, they do that. Yeah, they do that now. Mm. So, I mean, I guess... I mean, so you're 80, 84. Um, so you must have seen some amazing changes in, in your lifetime, I guess. Um, and some terrible changes, probably. I mean, what, what, how do you how do you feel? How do you feel about the kind of the wider society that we live in? I guess compared to the society of your youth or the society that you well, worked in. The good things in? I remember, or the bad things. Let's think of the bad things. It's the war, of course. The atomic bomb. That depressed me terribly. That first atomic. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, Absolutely. I can remember looking down. Would that have been Rebecca or Joanna? Who was small. But when? It would have been Rebecca, wouldn't it? Possibly. And crying and thinking, what have I brought her into? What world have I brought her into? And all that. And um, 
Also, I insisted that they all had powdered milk. Hmm. And um, couldn't drink ordinary milk and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. I remember. Um, the next um, bad thing, well, the various wars, of course, have upset me. The modern ones, you mean? Or oh, the, yes, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Because ours was a war to end all wars. You know, we really did. We did think that there won't be any more for a while. I did, anyway. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, it was the last of its kind. The good things I remember... I'm trying... Well, both the birth of my children, of course. <laughs> um, Lots of happy times, weddings and things like that. Buying the cottage in Cornwall, that was a very happy time. The first time I went down there was extremely happy. Cornwall is a beautiful place. I mean, mm. you you still live in Cornwall now, don't you? Oh, yes. Uh, did you thought, I mean, why why did you choose Cornwall, I guess, is a, is a question. Well, it was a second home to begin with. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So it's a country. But it gradually place. became my first home. Yeah. You know, when I was in London, I wanted to be in Cornwall. When I was in Cornwall, I wanted to be in London, and I, I knew I had to make a choice eventually. And that's why I took early retirement to go down to Cornwall. The first two years financially were tight because I didn't have. I was 58, I didn't have a pension. I had to apply for a job, but they had to offer me a job. If I was a professional, they had to offer me the same job. Okay. Or similar, well, there, yeah, so. So I took volunteer, so, so then there was this emphasis, if, you, if we can't get you a job, will you do voluntary work? Well, to begin with, I helped with Save the Children. I got fed up with that, and then I went down to the John Betjeman Centre. That's right, And yeah. I worked there for years, yes, voluntarily. So what, what is the John Betjeman Centre? Because I, I, that's on my list. Well, it's a building, the old railway station, isn't it? OK. Yeah, Weybridge Railway Station. And they saved it and turned it into a centre in memory of John Betjeman. But I've given all that up now because some... That, that let the younger ones do it, you know. <laughs> I still go there just to have my hair done once once a week. And I did organise for years, even after I left being secretary, I still organised the um, monthly trips in the coach for the elderly. We had big coach, 68 it took. Um, but then I handed it over to two other ladies. I gave up doing that eventually when I was when I was eighty. I think I said, "Let someone younger do it." <laughs> <laughs> Betjeman is a writer, isn't he? Is that is that yeah. right? Yeah. Is it is he a poet? I'm not sure. I'm not is sure. Po- uh, yes, you must. Be. Well, I'm aware. I've, I know of him, but I'm. I, we've a lot of. I did. Th- I did theatre at university, not well, he's not poet, English literature, but yeah. But he he has done writings as well. Right. And did you do you enjoy his writing? I mean, or was it? I mean, how do you feel about him if you worked he, in the yeah, centre? Yeah, well, um, he's under, he's what they call the people's poet, isn't he? Um, people understand him. That's why they like him. He writes poetry that people understand about everyday life, and, and some are very humorous, and some are very sad. It's a complete mixture, but it. Um, <laughs> And some are terribly highbrow. No, it's a lovely mixture, really. Okay. And are you in? Am I remembering this right? Are you in the the Liberal Democrats, or are you no longer in the Liberal Democrats, or where do you stand on that? Yes, I was a strong supporter of the Lib Dem, and I used to go to all their functions and meetings and voting. Oh, I voted our local MP on, who's now. In Parliament. What's the name now? 
Clegg. Do you mean? I don't. I mean, I, I'm not the sure. Lead Dem le- the leader, Nick Clegg. Yeah. Um, yes, I had a vote for him as well. Mm. How do you feel about the Liberal Democrats at the moment? Not much. I mean, I voted for them in the last election. I vote for them, but they don't get any of my work. I don't um, write envelopes or go to meetings or, um, or or do inner votings and all that sort of thing and go to their social functions. I've stopped all that. Did you stop when they, they joined? Just, just get my vote and that's it. Uh, because, um, well... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want the. I didn't want the Conservatives to get in. No, me neither. You know. That's why I voted for him. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about the? I mean, when you look at the news now in the in this country in the in the in the the situation that that everybody's in in now. I mean, it, what what do you think about that? I mean. Because you've seen eighty-four years of, of of life, and I guess it, like you say, it's it goes in circles, doesn't well, it? It's I mean, very how do you easy feel? for me to say because I haven't got a lot of money, but I've got enough money to live on and be happy. My needs are far less. Yeah. Um, I feel we have a debt, and we've got to pay it back. Um. I don't know if he's going about it the right way or not. I don't know if I can believe in his policy or not believe in his policy. And now, of course, we have this um, Euro scare, which complicates matters. Yeah, even very much more. so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm. To- I quite honestly, I'm totally confused at the moment. Um. If they, I think, I think it'll stay until the end of his um, his period. Yeah, to his turn. And I think we should let him. You know, I think we should just see. What is it? Five years or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be something like that. It depends when they call the election. I don't see yeah. that we're going to do any better by changing. Right. So I think we should just. Well, we can't do anything about it if he's making the decisions. We just have to go along with them, don't we? I guess so. But what? Um, let's see what he done. What they do at the end of the period. See what, how far they've got, and they make the decision. That's all I can say about that. When would the next election be? Well, what they they're two years in now, so it'll be in two or three more years. Another three years, 84, mm. 85, 86, I might be alive for it. Who knows, 87. Yeah. I mean, I didn't... Um, I mean, that was a very happy time, Prince William's... The marriage of those two. I mean, those are the happy times, I remember. Because <laughs> you were there. So, I mean, this is around about the time that I sort of wrap up the, the conversation with a, a, a final question, really. I ask everybody... It's a strange one, I should think. The question is, do you have anything that you want to plug? I want to... Plug or uh, promote or kind of, I guess, a thought or cause or whatever that you'd like to promote or suggest to the audience. Well, my mind obviously goes to charities. Fair enough, yeah. Um, my two charities are the Lifeboat Institute and Air Ambulance. What do I want to plug or promote? I'm sure I think about half a dozen things when. When you know I'm like, yeah. Um, no, all I can think of are charities at the moment. I don't really. Get the question. I don't. Think. Well, it's just, it's it is often. I mean, sometimes people say no, uh, they don't have anything to, to to plug or promote. But I mean, I guess what, one thing that people have been taking taking the question to mean is kind of a kind of sometimes a wider kind of 
piece of advice for people or what yeah i guess that's an interesting thing to ask somebody what of your age of yeah what, what what would you re- yeah what what advice would you would you yeah. have to somebody i guess my age what what advice would you have to give to me as oh, a 30 year old person what now what advice would i have for you yeah do what you want to <laughs> do, don't, don't compromise if you want something go for it definitely Okay. Um, yeah, it, uh, there's been a lot of had to be a lot of compromise in my life, but there's been certain things I have not compromised on, and I think I think they've all been good things. Okay, that's interesting. And um, so, look in your heart and make quite sure that it's a good thing and then don't compromise on it okay okay that's brilliant well and the last the final thing that I ask everybody to do is just to say goodbye to the audience really oh, <laughs> which well, is a strange thing that's when everyone remembers that there might be one how, there I don't know who you will be but <laughs> I hope you enjoy it <laughs> yes absolutely Cheerio. goodbye that was a conversation with Sheila who was my dad's first wife next week is going to be a conversation with my dad and the week after will be a conversation with my mum on friday you'll be able to hear what me and sheila were talking about in this conversation which is a special gba extra with sheila's mother and my older sister rebecca as a young girl you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.